Brian Barney here, another episode of the podcast, episode 10. I can't believe we've made it to double digits. Uh, what a what a great format to share your personality and share tips and tactics and and really reach a, a bunch of guys that, that are hungry for information out there. So uh, I, I'm just really happy with the way things have gone, and I, I'm always learning and always improving and want to get better. Um, but but so far so good. I I like having guests on here and being able to talk back and forth and and get information that way. And then I I also like just getting on you know by myself and sharing information and and sharing anything I'm thinking about. Um, so this has just been a, a great outlet for me. And, and then today I was just in talks with with Eastman's and and we are going to partner up on the podcast and and it's just going to be great. It's going to be great for the podcast. It's going to be great for me and and great for Eastman's. You know, Eastman's just has such a great name and and can help push people to the podcast and and get more listeners and and as well as that, they just have a bunch of really good hunters in there at the office that will be able to talk to them and and pick their brain and get some really good guesses. As, as they hunt all over the West for for different species and and uh, yeah I'm super psyched at that. So today on the podcast I want to talk over. I just did this article. Um, it was in the Eastman's Hunting Journal. It was a really cool article. Um, let's see what uh, Checkmate I think it was called uh, or something like that. It's about closing the distance and it talked about all oh, the different stocks with a rifle or with a bow and closing in. But a, a really uh, a big part of that was, was executing your shot. And so I wanted to go over executing your shot on today's podcast. And then, and then also, um, I've got a question, uh, on, on bow setup and gosh, I could do about four or five episodes of this podcast on my bow setup and, and what matters and, and what shoots. But I, I mean, I'm just always tinkering with my bow and I'm always messing with it, always shooting it. And, and I'm just always trying to improve my accuracy and get better and, and it seems like uh, uh, you you just continue to learn and evolve with your bow as well, and and how to get better. So I want to go over that, and, and then um, you know I've been getting a lot of questions over my social media and ideas for uh, for, for different episodes, which this is an idea somebody gave me is to, to go over my bow setup was a question I got on, on, uh, Instagram, I think. So I want to be better at getting to your guys's questions and trying to answer them. So at the end of the day, I'll go over a couple questions that I've got and then try to answer those as well. So ton of information here. So it, I think I think I'll start and you guys that know me know I'm just a diehard bow hunter. I just live and die by my bow, but before that, I used to hunt with my rifle and trophy hunt with my rifle a bunch. And even now to this day, I still continue to hunt with family with a rifle. You know, I was just telling you guys about my daughter and that buck she killed. And, and then I hunt with my dad quite a bit with his rifles and, and then buddies. And then just recently, well, last night, um, my wife got an antelope with her rifle, which was really cool. She had been, she had been working at it and we had been out a few days trying to catch them in the right spots. And and she had a miss the other day, and and it, it was a good miss if you could call it a good miss. But um, gosh, we we got in and we couldn't get any closer than 250 yards. And she's just a beginner hunter. She's killed one antelope before, um, so we got into 250 and made just an awesome stock. And it's you know this time of year these antelope are all grouping up, and so. Um, 
they were all grouped up like 100 antelope or so. And so there was just no way to get any closer. It was open from them, you know, from us to them. And, and so we just crawled to the top of the hill and set her up on a lay down rest. And she, I'm shooting the low kick shells for my girls. My wife's not that big of a gal and, and uh, neither is my daughter. And so we shoot these low kick shells just to get them, uh, get them to where the gun doesn't bite them and they don't flinch and they execute good shots. And so anyways, we got her laid down at 250, and at 200, that gun shoots dead on. At 300, it drops 10 inches, and so figured it's going to drop about 5 inches. And so we took our time and aimed, and I had her aim just above the, you know, where the white meets the brown on the antelope, which is, you know, I said like about an inch above that, which it's hard to tell an inch looking through a rifle scope at an antelope. But anyways, she, she held just a hair high, squeezed on her shot, and that bullet hit like maybe an inch below that antelope. I saw it kick up dirt. I mean, I almost thought it was going to ricochet in. It was so close. But hit that dirt below that antelope. And it, it was untouched. It just gave it a good scare and got out of there. And so she did have a miss under her belt. But uh, yesterday, yeah, she put the smack down on, you know, it's just a smaller buck. But um, we were just looking for any antelope. And, and we love the meat. I mean, uh, antelope meat around our house is our favorite. We I don't do any burger out of antelope. I do all steaks and then the shoulders I do into fajita meat that we'll cook up and have in steak fajitas and that. So anyway, we just love antelope meat. And so we, our goal was just to kill an antelope and she didn't, she didn't care if it was a buck or a doe. And there was a couple yearlings she didn't want to shoot there and, and some does in the mix. But then this smaller buck was kind of on the outskirts of the herd there. Yeah, she, we couldn't get a lay down rest. Grass was too tall. And so I had, um, Oh, but the bog pod, the tripod set up and set it up that out there. And yeah, she was able to execute just a perfect shot on that thing and get it. So yeah, I was psyched for her. So, um, I'm leaving for my mule deer hunt tomorrow, so uh, I've had a busy day trying to get done with work. Uh, I definitely wanted to get out another episode of this podcast, and then after I finish this, I'll I'll be butchering until probably 10 or 11 tonight. So it's a busy one for me, but a good one. So happy to see her get it done, and she was psyched. She's really starting to enjoy hunting, and I mean, how can you not? You get anybody out there, and you get that excitement and that thrill, you know, you, you're going to enjoy it, and so it's the same for her, and it's, it's just nice I can fit in and hunt with all of my family at different times grandma picked up the kids yesterday and not that we mind taking the kids with us or anything like that they can hike uh, just as good as anybody but at the same time it's nice for me and her just to spend time together and go walk around the woods and um got just a epic sunset and able to get her trophy pictures with the sunset in the background so that was pretty cool but uh anyways we got that and and uh gosh i got off topic but uh um, so, so that was cool, but I wanted to, I've been hunting with these new hunters and the, the, you know, it's wild to us guys that have been hunting a long time with a rifle. It's like second nature to get your rest aim and squeeze your trigger and execute your shot. But to these new hunters, you got to talk them through everything and you kind of learn that it, it's not second nature to acquire your target through your scope or to, you know, all that stuff has to be taught and has to be learned. And so I, first off, I wanted to talk to you guys about executing your rifle shot and it's, it's just, um, it seems like it'd be easy. It seems like you sight in your rifle and you go out hunting. And if you see something in your effective range, you know, it's a dead animal, but it's just not that way. You get that fog of adrenaline in you. And then you get this, um, this urge to like jerk your trigger. Like as soon as your scope gets on hair, when you're ready to shoot, you want to almost go now, now, you know, you want to pick when that, when that bullet goes off. And, and for me, I, 
I think that's the worst thing you can do. The the best shot you can execute is a is a surprise release and a surprise release on a bow or a surprise trigger pull on a gun. And so I think you just want to keep those, or I know you do. I know you just want to keep those crosshairs like you're shooting at a target and floating right over where you want to hit as you squeeze, 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 and then boom, you know it the it goes off and and goes right where you're aiming. And and so that's pretty important, but. Um, you guys that are hunting with a rifle, um, you know, when I was hunting at my best with my rifle, I spent a lot of time with it and I spent a lot of time practicing at the range, but shells are expensive. And so, you know, you can run a couple boxes through uh, shells through it. I mean, in, in the years I did best on big bulls and I, I killed some really nice bulls with my rifle, but I mean, I ran a hundred rounds through my rifle, uh, before season. And I, I practice at these different distances that I want to shoot. Sure, I get sighted in, you know, a cold barrel, uh, uh, shoot my group, shoot a good group, get it sighted in, find the load that works well with it. But um, And then I start shooting at these longer ranges. And I like to shoot, um, I would shoot it like a milk jug filled up with water. And then stick that thing out there at 300 yards. And then, you know, benches are really good for sighting in and for um, uh, making sure your gun's on. But, you know, in the in the field, you just don't get a chance to, to shoot off a bench. And so I think it's important you practice your different shooting positions. And um, in a, a lot of this, you guys already know, you know, I just wanted to go through it and, and talk about what's important to me when executing a shot and, and, and see if you guys can pick up a tip from this because there is nothing worse than going out with your rifle, which is an effective tool, and, and missing the critter you're after or, or, or not hitting right. And it's easy to do. I mean, I've seen guys shoot through a box of shells, you know, and, and not hit what they're aiming and multiple shots and, and me included. I've, I've missed uh, some big critters. I, I remember a a big deer last year I, I rifle hunted a, it was 2005 and I I missed a big deer that year that was 300 yards well inside my effective range and I still don't know what I what I did wrong on that shot I I thought I hit him I looked for blood forever that day and the next day and I I never could find it. I never touched that buck somehow I had missed but uh um, but the, the the most important thing when you're when you're shooting in the field is your rest um, offhand, you just you just can't shoot that accurately offhand. I mean, if he's under a hundred yards and, and it happens quick, like yeah, offhand if he's standing still. But you really want to go for your rest and get a rest. And in some of this open country, it can be tough. So you know, like uh, I like to bring those shooting sticks if I'm shooting. If somebody's hunting with a rifle, I mean, I'll pack the shooting sticks just so they have something to aim off of. Um, and, and I've kind of showed my dad this too. He's never hunted with shooting sticks or anything. A great rifle hunter. He's been doing it for years. But I started bringing these sticks. And then like last year, he shot his goat. Um, I believe, I can't remember if he was three or 400 yards. I, we couldn't get any closer. He had passed up a shot at a billy at 400 yards. He just didn't feel steady like, I don't know, maybe a week prior or something. I think we got into 300 yards on, on his billy and and then we got the front of his rifle set up on his on his pack and we couldn't do a lay down rest just the way the terrain is and that's that's how it is that lay down rest is is the most effective rest you can get but you just can't get it all the time because the way the hillside lays or the grass is too tall or or whatever it is you know you can't always get a lay down rest but if you can't a lay down rest with your elbows on the ground is so rock solid and, and uh, so for your longer shots you know you want to and and I don't shoot a, a bipod off my gun some guys 
guys do and they're they listen there's there's so many ways to do it right and to get a good rest and everybody likes their different style this is just the style that i use but i i don't like the extra weight of a of a bipod on my gun um and so, you know, I'll, I'll bring, um, usually for a laydown rest, I'll throw down my pack is what I like to shoot off of. And I'll throw the front of my rifle over my pack and my elbows in the ground. And so when you're shooting this practice, it's so important to shoot these real life scenarios and practice your, you know, whatever your distance is you want to shoot, whether it's, it's 300 yards or whether it's 500, you practice those distances on a milk jug and, or on a target and make sure you can execute your shot, you know, from these real life positions. So after the, the lay down rest you know your next best is that sitting position and then I like to get my my back elbow on my back knee and then uh, sit into my rifle and then get that front on a rest that's a really good stable shooting position um you know and and then last would be standing with a rest which isn't as, isn't bad but it isn't as steady as a as a sit down with a rest um it's in it's important too i mean a lot of times those standing shots you can't get it but i love to get a rest on that back elbow and and even you know your your knee to elbow works good but even better yet like if you can get that that um, you, your bipod or your tripod out in front of you and then get your pack behind that back elbow you can get so steady there and then just squeeze and so I always try to get a rest on that back elbow too but it's important to shoot these positions and then like I say shells are so expensive that um, uh, you know I like to, to do a lot of dry fire practice too and, and dry firing uh, it's still out to the jury whether it's good or bad. Some people say it's bad for your firing pin. Well, they have, I think they're called blast caps, or maybe that's not right, blast cap. That's dynamite, isn't it? Um, God, what do they call it? They're, but they have like a fake shell. I'm sure you can look it up on the internet. Google will tell you all about it, but they have a like a fake shell that you can put in your gun. And then what I do at my house before the hunt, or you know, not not me so much anymore, but I, um, like definitely my girls, I've got them practicing all the time is I've got a archery deer target out there and I say, okay, Taylor, Taylor's my oldest daughter. I say, okay, Taylor, I want you to get in the lay down position and execute your shot. And so then she'll get in the lay down position. Um, she'll, she'll get her scope on it. If we're a long ways off, she'll zoom her scope in and then she just executes her shot. Just pull, 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 click. And the shell goes off, you know, and, and you know, nothing goes off. It just, your firing pin engages that shell or whatever. And you know, you executed your shot, but that practice, um, you know, you can get a ton of trigger practice that way without, you know, spending a million dollars on, on all your rounds. And then, you know, you want to do your live fire practice too, but I think that dry fire practice is the way to go to, to get better. Um, so, you know, before your hunt, don't take it for granted that you're just a good archery or a good, uh, a good rifle shot, you know, don't take it for granted that you're gun sighted in. And if you get a shot at that mega bowl or mega buck, you're going to hit it. Cause it is easy to miss and it's easy to miss even for the, for the best guys. I mean, um, so I, I think it's important to practice and, and make sure that you're dialed in before you're hung. So I just wanted to touch on that, that rifle a little bit. Um, just cause I think there's some, some good tips in there. And, and like I say, most of you guys have been around rifles your whole life and, and know how to use them, but 
But I think sometimes, you know, we forget and forget what's important and forget how to execute those good shots. And there's nothing worse than jerking that trigger and missing that thing clean. And and then you feel like you're shooting blanks out of your gun. You can't hit them. You know, that first shot is so important to execute a good first shot. And then it's a done deal. You hit that thing perfect and and you're all smiles, uh, grip and grinning behind your trophy. So, um you know, don't take it for granted. Um, even if you've been shooting your whole life, make sure you're practicing with your rifle and, and, uh, you know, you're, you just have all the confidence in the world when you're walking around the mountains. Um, so, and then, uh, so then I wanted to get into, to my part of it that I really like is the bow executing a shot and, and, uh, you know, a lot is similar to a rifle, but it seems like a whole different beast with a bow. Um, there's just something about being close to those animals that, um, you know, I, I think it's, I, I think it's in our genes and I, I, I think it's our instincts, you know, just from, from, you know, hundreds of thousands of millions of years hunting, they say humans have been hunting for 4 million years and, and, uh, you know, our, our version of version of humans been hunting for 200,000 years. Like, um, you know, it's in our DNA, when we get close, we get excited. That's the fun of why we do it, right? But um, there, there's just something like the closer you get, the more excited you get, and the tougher it is to get your composure. I mean, the first few animals I shot at, you can't even remember if you aimed, if you put the pin on them. You can't, you can't remember anything. You don't even know if you lined up your peep or anything. You just sent that arrow. And so, you know, then the more you do it, the better you get. And you start to, um, you know, get into your, your anchor points and, and make sure you're lining up right. But um, there, there's something about executing an animal uh, or executing a shot on an animal, especially a bow shot, keeping your composure and making it happen. And it's easy to sit here and do it, but you know, you get a 200 inch buck in front of you. I mean, I, I still get nervous to this day, you know, that's, that's why I do it. But that, that shot execution on a critter. So, you know, I practice a bunch with my bow and I, I'm always practicing. I'm always shooting. And I think it's good you know, when you're, when you're shooting with your bow throughout the year, I love to put pressure on myself. And it's part of the, part of the reason why I get better. I, I love to shoot with buddies. You know, it's amazing. You can shoot so good by yourself in your house. And then all of a sudden you're shooting next to one of your buddies or something. And, and all of a sudden your groups aren't as good. And so it's that extra pressure and putting pressure on yourself and, and continuing to execute good shots. And, and that's just a taste of what it's going to feel like when you're executing on an animal. Um, so I like to shoot with buddies. I, I shoot a league all winter long where I shoot an indoor league and then you know, I shoot a few 3D tournaments uh, throughout the summer and then um, 3D targets and then I just continually shoot and when I'm shooting, I, I'm really working on my execution and, and what I mean by that is 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 I'm working on executing good shots every time. Like I'm not so concerned, I mean... Uh, it's tough to say I'm not concerned with my groups. That's where how you measure yourself. But at the same time, if I can execute good shots and the arrow doesn't go quite where I'd, I was aiming or say the arrow goes low and it's like, well, my, my pin was low when the shot broke, you know, I don't feel so bad about it. I I just want to execute good shots. And what I mean by that is, is um, you know, and this is, I think, I think this is the, the biggest mistake archers make or the biggest mistake archers get into is and you can shoot good with any release but i see a lot with the trigger releases is command shooting and command shooting 
Um, like I say, I think 90% or 95% of guys shoot this way and, and it's not bad at first to command shoot. You just get to choose when the arrow goes off and you're aiming, 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 and then you pull the trigger all at once and the shot, shot goes, um, and it's not a bad way to shoot. It's fairly accurate. But the problem is, is this this dreaded target panic that guys get. And I've had a case of it. Anybody that, that shoots long enough and command shoots long enough gets it. Some get it worse than others. Uh, and maybe some never get it. I There's still there's some really good trigger shooters out there that, that never seem to get it and, and uh, uh, seem to shoot fine. But I this, this, um, this trigger pull, I mean... It, when you choose when that arrow goes pretty soon your mind starts to starts to anticipate that shot and when it anticipates that shot you'll like uh, you'll notice guys flinch every now and again or maybe you flinch every now and again like the the pins on there and all of a sudden you'll flinch before the shot goes off well that's a slight ca- case of target panic and in most cases a target panic that that I see in the case that I had my pin just starts settling low of the target. And so it hangs right there at six o'clock and I am just steady as a rock, six o'clock from the bullseye. And then I've almost got to force my bow up to the bullseye. And it's like, it's like my pin is allergic to the bullseye. It just doesn't want to go there and it doesn't want to hold there because I'm anticipating that shot. I'm anticipating when it gets on that trigger every time I make it go, make it go. And so you start anticipating it. And then you're trying to like float your pin through the bullseye and make it go as it goes through the bullseye, you know, and, and, and all these habits, uh, you know, it's, it's not that you can't shoot well or can't fight your target pin, but, but all these, you know, they equate in. And I always said, man, if I can hold as good as I do at six o'clock, I could kill anything. Well, I found, you know, the, the tension shoot, back tension shooting and the back tension shooting is what cured my target panic. And, and you can shoot back tension style on any release, um, you know, I choose to shoot a, I, I learned on a back tension release where, um, basically the release goes off with tension. And so what you do is you hold your pin on the bullseye, pull, 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 and it's, it's a surprise release. You don't know exactly when that bow is going to go off. And what that does, it lets your brain aim at that center of the bullseye and just keep your pin there and, and keep it floating right on the bullseye until the shot breaks. And then once you get that down and once you get that theory and it feels really weird at first, um, but once you get that down, you can incorporate other releases. And I've I've incorporated it into trigger shooting. And, and I shot a trigger and back and forth a little bit when I first transferred over. But I just found myself getting into the, the same bad habits of making it go. And, and then I also found that the tension on my trigger, I just wasn't as consistent as I was with like a thumb release. Um, you know, also, uh, you know, I shoot like a hinge for indoor and, and, uh, these just allow you to sit and execute your shot. Now, um, so that was one of the biggest things I learned with my shoot, the biggest improvements I made on my shooting and you, anything with your shooting form or anything that you change, you got to get a little worse before you get better. And so at first you're going to be saying, gosh, I'm not shooting the groups I was shooting with my trigger. I can't shoot as far, but you're executing the shot the right way. And eventually you get better than you ever were with a trigger. Um, so it's one of the biggest tips I can give. And it's tough because like I say, I think 90, 95% of shooters shoot out their command shooting, making their trigger go when their when their bow goes. And you don't need a back tension to learn it. You just, um, 
and you could be one of the best trigger shooters in the world, it's just about squeezing on that shot until it goes. And so when you're shooting your trigger, you know, I like to, I like to wrap mine in the second joint when I was shooting a trigger, like all the way, you know, you got the tip of your finger, then you got the first joint and then the second joint. And I would shorten up my release so I could get the second joint. And what that does is you just don't get, you don't have as much control over your finger. So you almost can't punch it as well from there. You know, you've almost got to suck it into that notch of your finger. And then all you do, you know, I like to shoot with my, with my back muscles where, um, you know, my, my arms out, I've got my, my right grip and then I've got it wrapped around my knuckle. And then I just keep pulling, pulling, pulling and let that shot break. And if, if you practice that consistently with your release, you can back tension, shoot your trigger and shoot it really well, you know, and not form a lot of these bad habits. Um, you know, I like using the thumb works really good for me and, and not to say there isn't a time to command shoot, but you never forget how to punch your trigger. (laughs) You, You can always punch your trigger if need be. And why I say that, you know, and I, I know it's, part of the target panic wouldn't let me aim at my target but if I can aim at my target and then punch my trigger my arrow goes where I'm aiming now I don't like to do that on my farther shots that I execute I really like to execute good shots on animals and hit them right where I'm aiming but as you guys know stuff happens fast and sometimes you got a bull that's at 15 yards and takes a step by a tree and you got to make that shot go right now you don't forget how to punch you punch that thing right through the lungs so you never really forget how to command shoot but it's about executing executing those good shots when you've got a 40 yard shot or a 50 yard shot or 60 yard shot to sit there aim at that animal and pull 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 until that shot breaks and then it's a dead animal and you just hit so much more precise um I killed a lot of animals when I was punching my trigger um but you just almost find hair with it and you make it go and you just not it, there's not as much precision to it to where now, you know, when I execute a shot and I execute a shot right, you know, I know that animal's dead and I know I'm going to hit them center of lungs. I mean, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. And so I think it's a good tip and it's it's really tough for to give up the way you shoot to, to shoot a better way. But I'm telling you, it's these this evolution in shooting and these uh, adopting these, these other techniques and these techniques to make you better that are going to improve your overall shooting and improve your accuracy and just make you that much better when you're hunting that monster buck or bull with your bow. And, and, and so honestly, I mean, we've, we're, we're not quite over with season yet, but as we get over and we get into this winter, you know, uh, go into your to your local shop and see the I mean see all those indoor shooters and all those best indoor shooters are all shooting back tension style you know some some will cheat their release a little bit more than others but the guys that are really good know to just keep pulling 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 and executing and you'll even find that on the 3d course you know the most accurate shooters are shooting this back tension style and so why not learn how to shoot it this winter you know you guys got any questions hit me up too uh, um, I love teaching and I've I've converted the majority of my buddies to back tension shooting so um you know I converted over and it did wonders for me and I was I got better than I ever was and 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 now I've been able to kill more animals than I ever did before and so you know just being around my buddies and shooting I go you know, hey, why don't you give this a try? And I'll hand them a back tension release and a little funky at first. And then I explain the theories behind it, you know, and, and pretty soon they're shooting in better than they've ever shot. And I asked my buddies if they'd, if they'd go back to a, a trigger, you know, uh, go back to command shoot. <laughs> say, no way, never. You know, so it, it's a huge step in archery and it's taken it to the next level. And, and so if you guys want to take your shooting to the next level, I mean, that's a big move to make. But 
But anyways, uh, uh, back to executing on an animal. And, and why I mention all this or why I talk about that back tension is because now shooting at an animal, you know, you learn to shoot this back tension style and now you're executing good on targets and you're executing good under under pressure and, and uh, everything's coming easier. And they and also your your bad days aren't as bad you know you, and your good days aren't as good everything seems to kind of even out and you just have a more even level of shooting where now you just don't miss or you know now you you just a more consistent grouping and and more consistent to your to your shooting but um and, and so i mentioned this cuz when you're when you're executing on an animal you learn all this back tension style and you're shooting good and then you get an animal in front of you and automatically you revert back to putting that pin on hair and punching that trigger off and you go god dang it why did i do that i know better i've been practicing this for months you know and so um to execute on an animal it's just tough you get that adrenaline going and you just almost lose that composure you know you get in that fog of adrenaline you just want to make that shot go and and i found a lot of times with big animals or any animals for that matter you just you just want to get that shot you're working so hard to get that shot you just want to you want to get it but there's nothing that feels worse than missing that critter missing that animal because you rushed your shot or you punched your trigger you know and so you've got to fight that urge to to make that trigger go and um what i've done over the years is i've always had a mantra while i'm hunting and in my mantra it, it always ties into my shooting and so um, you know, as I'm stalking in, you know, I'll, I'll tell myself, you know, and I've had a bunch of different ones over the years, uh, aim, aim, aim has been one of mine, execute your shot, you know, and, and, and there's all these different ones that go, you know, and so now what I do, you just have to make a conscious decision. And after you miss a few animals, you know, you just say to yourself, you know, damn it, I'm over it. I'm not going to miss again. I'm not going to let a bad shot go. I'm not going to. I'm not going to force a shot. It's either going to be right and I'm going to kill him or I'm not going to let this arrow go. And it takes a long time to get to that point. But if you miss enough, you'll get there, you know. And and uh, so I just finally got there to where, you know, I'm not going to force my shot. I'm going to make sure I, I sit on it and I execute. And I'm going to make sure if I get a shot, that animal's dead. And uh, so what I do is, I, is I'm just telling myself as I'm going in, you know, um, okay, you know, execute this shot or, uh, we're going to do this one right. Or, you know, it, it's like a conscious decision. And the, the, the biggest part of that is right as you're drawing back your bow and right as you're drawing back your bow, I tell myself to execute and, and what that, it just triggers in my brain that, you know, when I say execute, I've made this decision in my mind that I am not going to force that trigger. And I've done it right as I'm drawing back my bow. And so I know I'm going to sit on my shot. And so I tell myself to execute. I get my bow, my bow back to full draw and my anchor comes so natural. I've shot so many times. I don't need to think about my anchor. It just, it comes up, you know, I level my bow cause I've done it so many times, you know, maybe, maybe you guys need to tell yourself to level or, or tell yourself, you know, okay, anchor behind the chin or behind the cheek or, you know, nose to the tip of the string or whatever you got to tell yourself. But for me, I draw back, I anchor and then uh, you know, I just tell myself, okay, put the pin on them, and I I put the correct pin on them, and and then I just tell myself, okay, keep pulling, keep pulling, keep pulling, and I say this, you know, well, I don't say it out loud. That would spook the hell out of all animals around, but I I say it out loud to myself or in my own head, and I just repeat it, keep pulling, keep pulling, keep pulling, till the shot breaks, and and. Uh, Gosh, it just works wonders for me. You you would think, you know, just this little inside your head of talking to yourself. 
um, it just makes the shot break for me. It makes things, it, it makes me keep in my shot and, and, uh, keep to what I need to be doing. And so, um, uh, I, I just, and, and what I do is I practice this when I'm keeping my, my concentration or my focus. So when I'm shooting in leagues and I've got, you know, 25 guys on the line, when I draw back, I say, okay, put that pin there. Now keep pulling, keep pulling, keep pulling, break. And if, if the shot doesn't break, right, you know, I, I don't let it go, you know, in practice, I, I won't force a shot or if I get long into my shooting sequence, I just won't force it. I, um, sure, I'll pull a little harder, and I'll, uh, you know, there's some, some little tricks to making your shot go. But I just, I, I, I just keep in my shot, and I keep telling myself, keep pulling, keep pulling, keep pulling, keep pulling until that shot breaks. But um, so I practice that in practice. I practice it shooting around buddies, high pressure situations when I'm by myself. So I'm just always practicing this execution of my shot. So when I get in real time and I'm shooting at that big six-point bowl, I tell myself the exact same thing. As I'm drawing back, I say, okay, execute. You know, I put my pin on them and I put it right where I want it. And then I say, keep pulling, keep pulling, keep pulling until my shot breaks. Um, and, and that's been a big secret of mine. I mean, it it's amazing how good you can shoot and then you get a big animal in front of you and all of a sudden you miss that thing clean. I mean, how in the hell do you miss an elk? They're as big as the side of your house, but it, it's easy to do when you don't execute your shot like you want, like, like you're supposed to or like you practice. So, uh, you know, hopefully that, that, that mantra and talking to yourself, um, working on your execution and then your execution on animals, you know, hopefully that, that helps you guys out to keep your focus. Cause, uh, man, there is, I, I just, um, there's nothing worse than missing, is there? Um, so, so you want to sit on your shot and execute. So, um, anyways, I just thought that was a really good piece that I, that I touched on in that article and that I wanted to go over a little bit more. Cause I, I think it's one of the most helpful things. Like I say, there's nothing more frustrating than missing. And especially once you, you get better and you're improving your, your skills as a hunter and your stalking skills are getting there and you're, you're getting shot opportunities. And then you get the shot opportunity at the buck of your dreams and you, you airball. I mean, you want to throw your bow, you want to quit bow hunting at times, you know, but it, it's, it's all just part of this. This learning circle and learning how to execute a good shot and and once you get it down you know then it, you, you're just money once you can execute it once and execute it a second time and go boy i think this thing is really working you know then then you just you, you just don't miss you don't execute a bad shot um i say you don't miss uh right after i told you guys that i that i missed a couple times elk hunting so i mean you can always miss by little mistakes and you can always get better but at least your shot execution is always good and you miss way less and you end up you know making nearly all your shots on critters but uh so any and and uh so that's what i got for execution and then i so i just wanted to i got a question on on my bow setup on my instagram asking about um what i use for my bow setup and and uh everything on my bow it it has a reason you know everything Everything I have on there has been thought over and overthought. I've tried different brands. I've tried, uh, I, I've tried, you know, not that I've tried everything, but I've tried nearly everything on my bow. And and what works is what I keep with. Um, so I I guess we'll start with the with the bow. You know, I like shooting um, a longer axle to axle, um, but. But I don't know the short the shorter axle to axle seem to shoot fine too. I just always side, you know. He's never a speed guy. I always side 
on forgiveness i want the most forgiving bow to where if i don't if i you know torque my bow a little bit here i do something a little wrong there my arrow is still hitting in the middle and in the more forgiving setup is going to give you the best groups and so for for brace height on a bow and brace height is the string measured you know back to your riser of your bow and the longer it is the usually the more forgiving and more accurate it is and so um you guys that know me or been following me know that I I love Hoyt bows. I've been shooting Hoyt bows for ten years now. Gosh, I just I I love them. Uh, they shoot so good for me. But I I shoot a seven inch brace height, and I shoot their longer axle to axle bows, and I I really like them. And then um, uh, this year I I shot uh, we did the those filmed hunts, and those filmed hunts were done with um, uh, for Eastman's and the Eastman sponsor in there, and they have Matthews, which is um, a, another great bow, and I was really happy with that. Matthews took me a little bit to get used to, but uh, didn't take me too long. And I had that bow shooting pretty good. A uh, few things different from my Hoyt, but I got used to him. It, it held up all season and took the abuse I, I dished out to it. And I had a, a Halon and I got the Halon 7. You could get it at a 5, 6, or 7 brace height. Then I got the 7. And uh, it's a good shooting little bow. I got used to it and I really like it. And uh, I shot Bowtex well. And, and uh, like I say, Hoyt's. Um, I used to own a P, uh, uh, PSE, but that was years ago. Um, but I know some some really good shooters that like PSEs too. I mean, all the bows nowadays have this new technology and be, been working really hard at it. And I I mean, um, you know, I, I definitely think uh, Hoyt and Matthews are the top of the heap, but that's nothing, you know, uh, nothing to say a guy can't shoot a, a Bowtech better than been better than all those bows and so they're they're all pretty good nowadays you know it's it's more uh i love that saying it's it's not your bow it's the indian and so uh basically a good indian could shoot any bow out there well uh and i like that saying you know that it's just having a you know i i like the the newer technology but even the bows of three four years ago are still pretty good but it's just having a bow and building a relationship with it putting in your practice running arrows through that bow getting to learn your bow and how it reacts and and getting used to it and then you can shoot it well and so um i i shot the um hoyt defiant this year i just love that bow i think that was one of my favorite bows i've ever shot now they got this defiant pro that's an aluminum and oh man that thing looks sweet i want to get my hands on one of those and and uh see how that thing shoots but yeah i shot that defiant this year it's been a great bow um and then that that matthews halon 7 it was great i did both my film tons on there and able to to kill a couple critters with it and so yeah that that was a good bow as well and so uh, a lot of good bows on the market like i say it's just building a relationship with them and then uh um so and we go to um, one thing I do different, and maybe you guys have heard me talk about it before, is my stabilizers. And I shoot a 12-inch stabilizer out the front, which is bigger than most guys. And then um, I also shoot a 12-inch sidebar, which comes back off the side of my bow. And uh, if you watch any of these tournament shooters, um, they they all shoot uh, front stabilizers. I mean, half of them, they go out, you know, 48 inches or uh, three or four feet out in front of their bow. And the farther you get that weight from your bow, the better it'll hold. But um, 
uh, it'd be a little tough to sneak through the woods with a with a four foot stabilizer on your bow and not get hung up in the trees. So um, so I I shoot a twelve inch and then I shoot a twelve inch sidebar and that sidebar it just brings the weight off a different place of your bow. So then you have weight front and back. And I shoot the Bee Stinger stabilizers, which I just love. And I, I I haven't really shot many other stabilizers besides them, just because I love their design. They're designed, you know, their vibration dampening system inside the stabilizers but they have it to where you can change the weights front and back by an ounce and so you can change your weights up front and you can change your weights out back and and what this does this this front stabilizer in the sidebar I mean the whole reason it's there is to help stabilize and make you hold better I mean a lot of these little six inch stabilizers little rubber things here and there they're not helping you hold your bow any steadier I don't know just for looks maybe some vibration dampening but I really like getting the stabilizer on or the on there that I can notice a difference I notice a difference from shooting a bare bow to my stabilizers and, and so I, I really I love shooting them I couldn't shoot a hunting bow without them um and so what I do is I run different weights on my front and back. And so this will help you hold and you can change the angle of your sidebar, you know, up and down and left and right to kind of find the right hold. And what you're trying to do is you're just trying to find it where your grip sits right. And, and then that bow goes level, you know, in that sidebar, it's helped balancing out the weight of, of your sight. And then also the weight of your quiver there to make a, a real steady, even level hold. Um, but but also the stabilizers they they also help the reaction of your bow and so this is what I really like to play around with you know I find where my bow holds good and then as I shoot if I'm getting a lot of low misses what I'll do is I'll stick another weight on on the back of my sidebar and what that'll do is it'll help even out uh, the weight of my bow as the shot goes off the way that bow reacts and so like I say if I'm hitting low I'll either take a weight off my front or I'll add a weight to the back and it just evens out the way my bow reacts reacts and now I'll stop getting those low misses maybe it'll take one ounce maybe two ounces something like that if I'm hitting high then I'll take one off my back of my stabilizer and I'll or I'll add one to the front and so I'll play with these weights to help the reaction of my low and high hits to help even out my groups um so I I, I just love using these stabilizers and sidebars um and then as far as my fall away release you know there's a bunch of really good ones out there I I really like fall away release uh did I say release? God dang it. Uh, losing my mind here. Um, uh, rest is what I meant. Uh, fall away rest. I don't, I don't even know what the hell a fall away release would do, but a fall away rest. Um, uh, so I really like using the fall away, you know, more so than the, than the whisker biscuit now. Uh, and I don't mean whisker biscuit. I think it's like a bristle style. I don't mean to call out a certain brand or anything like that. And those, those, those rests shoot well, the whisker biscuits, they're, they're the the um they they tune really easy and they they're uh they're a little bit more forgiving but what they do is they just rob you of speed as your fletchings fly through and make contact they get a little bit more drag so you're robbing yourself of speed and and also that arrow just makes contact with that rest all the way from the tip of your arrow to the very back of the knock of your arrow your arrows got contact with that rest and as it has that contact, any reaction of your bow in the follow through of your shot is going to react where that arrow hits. Now with a fall away rest, when you shoot, that rest falls away. So that arrow glides down that rest and then it 
um, it, as soon as you let your bow off, the rest falls away and the arrow is almost free floating in air. So once you release your bow, the arrow is on its way to that target. And, and so they're just a little bit more forgiving where you can move your bow. So I love these fall away rests and, and I, I've shot, like I say, multiple different brands and there's a bunch of good ones on the market. Um, and I, I shot a uh, trophy taker a lot. I really like the trophy taker. The trophy taker is just so simple. There's no, um, there's, there, there is springs in there, but it's just not mechanically driven. It's by a string that ties to the rest that when you draw back on your, on your down cord, it pulls up the rest. When you release, it goes down. There just isn't much that can go wrong with it. You know, um, lately, you know, one of my buddies helped design the, the rip cord arrow rest and help build that. And, and I've been shooting that one. There's a, little there's a few more mechanical devices in that one with the um with the fall away and the way it it works but um so far i've been able to trust it and it's never let me down and it's just another thing of running arrows through your bow and once you run enough arrows through you begin to trust that rest and trust what it's doing and trust that it's set up right and so i've been using that rip cord quite a bit i like that one and and uh, but i do like shooting the fall away rest um, you know, more so than the, the bristle style rests or, um, the contact rests, a uh, days old that we used to shoot. Um, so I, I, I like to shoot those. And then, um, my sight, um, God, I'm a, I'm a Montana black gold guy all the way. I have shot those, um, those sights now for gosh, probably 10 years, um, all different makes and models. I shoot the ascent. So I shoot a mover sight. Um, and I'll be able to go into this, this in further detail. Like I say, I I think I could do three or four episodes on my bow setup and what everything does, but it was a question I wanted to try to get to and try to go over. So just talk uh, about the, the mover briefly, but the, the black gold, you know, I shoot a five pin mover. And so what I've got is when it's in its home position, I've got 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, just in case I get any quick shots or I don't have time to range and dial, I've got that. And now my 60 pin is my mover and my 60 pin, then I've got a a sight tape on the, the edge of my sight and I can roll that sight pin up or roll it down to whatever range I want. And, and like, if I got a steep downhill angle at 35, I'll roll that sight up to 35. Or if I'm practicing in the backyard, you know, I can, I can roll that thing down to 85 and, and shoot dead on. And, and what it does, it just, it makes it so you're not trying to pin gap and shoot. Like if that animal's at 45 and you got a 40 and 50 yard pin trying to hold it in the middle and execute a shot, it works, but it's not the same as trying to hold your pin right on the center of the lungs and execute. So I like these move your, mover sites they take a little bit longer to set up but boy they're the cats me out they they really work well and so um i and i like the black gold i got the i get the third axis adjustment all my my steep gnarly mule deer hunt and i'm always shooting downhill or uphill and so third axis will just uh you know make sure that you're hitting on um when you're shooting downhill and the uphill you know even with the level um, and third axis is kind of tough, a theory to grasp or, uh, but most of you guys by now I've heard of it, but it, it just, it makes such a difference when you're setting up your bow for downhill and uphill and, and a couple different ways to shoot up your, shoot your third axis. But the best way to test it is just to go shoot steep off the cliffs and, and make adjustments as you need to. And, and, uh, it's wild, you know, everything level square off your bow 
um, a right-handed shooter, just the way you shoot. I mean, if I don't set my third axis on my bow and I just set it like it comes from the factory and if I didn't have third axis on my sight, I miss to the right on a downhill shot. I'll miss by a foot at 50 yards. And so I've got to set my third axis. And, and most of the time on a right-handed archer, your third axis, you roll your sight all the way in. And and uh, but but anyways, I that's I I really like the third axis adjustment and couldn't own a sight without it. You know, with the with the way I shoot, I shoot a and then I shoot a tight spot quiver. Love their quivers, super well designed, quiet. Uh, they go super tight to your bow, so you don't get any bow torque or anything like that. Um, so that's um, just a, a few of the things on my bow and a few things that I use. I use a um, see, I'm a. I think it's a 5.30 seconds uh, peep sight. So a quarter just seems a little bit big to me. And so I stepped down to a, a 5.30 seconds. Uh, three sixteenths is a little bit small for me. I used to I used to take a, a drill them out with a drill bit till I could find the right size. And, and what you're trying to do with your peep sight is you're trying to line up and get your anchor point right. And you want that peep sight to be the exact size of your sight ring out there and how you can adjust that is you can move your sight in and out on the black gold so farther away from your bow or closer to your bow and what you're trying to do is just line up the exact size from your peep sight to to your sight housing when your sight housing on your sight is is round and like the black gold ones now make them neon around there neon green neon red and then you just want to line up your peep sight perfectly sized to that and, and that may, builds and, and makes for great accuracy with your bow and and now now different shooting lights it's a different size um which is really strange but you'll shoot uh you know in your shop in a in the dark lanes or whatever and, and all of a sudden your sight housing seems like it's smaller and then you shoot on a bright day and it seems like it's bigger so you do have to find a happy medium in in different shooting lights but that's what you're trying to do with your with your peep sight to to line up your sight housing and then uh um, and, and then the, the arrows I like to shoot, I like to shoot a heavier arrow. They, they're quieter out of your bow and, and the more front of center I can shoot, just the better it seems to pull towards the target at, at range and at distance. And, and, uh, so I shoot 125 field points and then I, I add a bunch of weight to the front of my arrows and I, um, I've shot different brands and just like bows and just like anything, there's a lot of different brands out there that'll work, but I, I love these gold tip arrows. They shoot really good for me and, and, uh, and you can add weight to the front of them. Um, uh, you can, you can add 20 grains at a time to the front of them. So I think, um, I'm shooting their Pierce arrows, which are a little bit lighter than I like. Um, but then I add, uh, 40 grains to the front plus my 125 head plus my insert. My arrows come in weighing right at about 450. And that's kind of been the magical number for me. I've gone heavier and I've gone lighter, uh, lighter. I just don't seem to get the penetration. And now everybody's different and everybody's bow setup is different. I mean, um, your draw length plays a huge part in that. And, and I shoot a 27 inch draw length. And so I lose a lot of energy from other guys at that, at that draw length. And that's why I've got to shoot a 450 grain arrow. You know, if you shoot a, a 28 or 29 inch draw length, well, a 415 grain arrow or even a 400 grain arrow might work fine for you. Or even with a 27 inch draw, I know guys that shoot 400 grain arrows. I just found for me, I like the, the the speed and the penetration I get from about a 450 grain arrow and so that's where I that's where I try to kind of keep my arrows when I build them um, I shoot a four fletch flex fletch fletchings and I've just shot groups with 
three fletch and with four fletch and I've recorded them and I've shot distance and 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 so basically the bigger you're fletching the more steering it's going to give to your arrow and which where this really helps is with broadheads it helps steer those arrows um, to the target and, and so you know that's why guys with the older bows were shooting four and five inch fletchings and you see the recurve guys because they get more guidance to their arrow and when their arrow comes off a little funky it corrects nowadays with our new bows they're tuned so well that we're shooting smaller fletchings well the bigger fletchings grab wind drag as well, um, but a four fletch and a three fletch that are both two inch fletchings, a four fletch just doesn't grab that much more wind drag or wind drift. Um, so I just found I gain a little bit more accuracy with my broadheads with the four fletch, so that's why I shoot them. And then I'm a firm believer, um, you know, I shot uh, fixed blade for years, but gosh, these mechanical nowadays are just awesome. And I I shot Grim Reaper for years, and I love their broadhead. It's never let me you know let me down. It's like when you hit them right, they die. And and I'm all about accuracy, and and the the mechanicals are aerodynamic and. Not that you can't make fixed blades fly better, but I, I live in in Ennis, Montana, and the wind—I mean, a twenty-mile-an-hour wind—is a is a is an unwindy day in my valley, and so um, I. I I shoot an aerodynamic broadhead that doesn't catch much wind drift because it's amazing. Like even like a a small three to five mile an hour thermal drift wind out here on my range, I can tell the difference between broadheads and field points, and then really tell the difference between fixed blades and mechanicals. And so, like I told you before, I'm all about forgiveness and shooting the most forgiving setup. And so I've just found that these these mechanicals fly so good, and they catch less uh, wind drift than than a fixed blade and so they're more accurate for me and i i feel like if i hit that animal where i want to hit them and where i'm aiming it's gonna die you know even if i hit it with a field point for that matter i mean not that not that i'd ever hunt with a with a field point i i heard a story one time of a guy that shot a doe accidentally with a field point and hit it perfect and it took it a little bit longer but died but all i'm trying to say here is that that i focus on my accuracy you know more so than hitting them with a with a fixed blade head and so I used these Grim Reapers for years, and then uh, this year um, uh, with those Eastman sponsors, I started shooting these Grave Diggers, and they have a fixed blade mechanical hybrid that actually has an inch fixed blade and then a mechanical. It's a four blade, and then that opens to an inch and a half. Man, those broad st- broadheads are devastating. Uh, those things, uh, I, I really got hooked on them this year. I mean, uh, so far, I think I've got I think I've got three animals with them so far and, and they don't make it too far when you hit them with one of those. So I've been super impressed with those and they're really aerodynamic. They also make, um, uh, not a fixed blade, not a fixed blade mechanical hybrid, but just a mechanical hybrid, a two blade mechanical broadhead inch and a half open. And, uh, I shot one of my critters with that and he died right away too. And, and those things are the most aerodynamic heads you can get. I mean, talk about no wind drag. I mean, they're just pretty much like a field point and they, they just shoot so good. And so, um, you know, I've been shooting those too, but yeah, I've, I've got hooked on those things. And, and like I told you before, there's a lot of good broadheads in the market and, and a lot of guys try to, you know, you'll hear guys in the shop all the time say, Oh, I hit him with that head and he got away. I'll never shoot one of those again. Or, but to me, it's it's all about where you hit him. It's you know, it's science. You hit a deer in his lungs, heart, or liver, he's gonna die. If you don't hit him in his lung, heart, and liver, you know, it's it's anybody's guess. Depends how much penetration. Depends if you hit an artery. Um, 
depends on a lot of things. But it, to me, it's always been science. And if you hit them right, they die. And, and so, you know, I hear guys blame ahead. Maybe some somebody had a blade, you know, a mechanical that didn't open right. But to me, it just seems like the majority of the time between my experiences, all my buddies' experiences that I've hunted with, you hit them right, they die. You don't hit them right, you know, it's it's anybody's guess. You may get them, you may not. You just got to track them down and give them everything you got. Hopefully get another shot or maybe you hit an artery and got them. But a lot of guys like to blame their broadheads where to me, you know, I, I don't. I, 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 I usually put it on um, shot placement is everything to me. So, you know, it's just where you hit them. Um, but a lot of good broadheads on the market and there's nothing wrong with fixed blades. You know, there's just nothing to think about or nothing to worry about there. And so you hit them with the fixed blade, hit them in the right spot, they die. I just don't like the extra wind drift I get with them. I feel like if I'm shooting in the wind and I'm shooting a longer shot at 50 yards that I can get quite a bit of wind drift out of that arrow and I may hit them back or I may hit them in the shoulder and then not get them to where, you know, a mechanical, I feel like, you know, that that, that arrow is going to go where I'm aiming or at least I'm going to get less wind drift with it. So uh, just a more forgiving setup. And like I say, I'm I'm all about shot placement and I'm all about precision and hitting those animals where I'm aiming. And so that's what I've found that I've liked uh, uh and I, those Ulmer edges look good to me. You know, I know I have a buddy that shoots the G5. Like I say, there's so many good brands out there, uh, broadheads, and there's so many good brands of arrows. I, I mentioned the gold tip, but I also, you know, Gravedigger has another arrow, the the Bloodsport, and I shot those for, for my film tons this year. And then those arrows, they weighed 450 grains. They've got an outsert that comes over the tip of the arrow and protects it. Um, you know, they, they work great for me too. So, uh, you know, there, there's a bunch of really good options out there nowadays. That's the one thing we have is, is the technology and we have competition and, and, and all these companies are are coming up with, with good arrows, good broadheads, good bows and that. And, and, uh, uh, so, so not to push you in one direction or another, I just trying to get you guys all the information or why I use what I use and, and it works for me. But, uh, anyways, a little bit about my bow setup. And so uh, I'm I'm running out of time here. I better I better start wrapping this thing up before you guys start dropping off. That is a lot of technical talk for a, for a podcast, boy. I just uh, I get into that bow and start talking about those things, and hopefully I didn't lose you guys, or hopefully you guys uh, picked up some tips there, you know, with with the bow that'll help you out. But uh, yeah, let's wrap this thing up. I'll I'll go out. I gotta get that uh, work on my wife's antelope here, and and uh, we'll get the kids involved and get wrapping this thing up, and then. And then I'm hunting, hunting muleys tomorrow, which is awesome. I'll uh, take care of a little bit of work in the morning and then get out of here. And it's just going to be a quick weekend trip, but I'm going to go for it. Man, I'm so jacked. Uh, so much fun when these muleys start rutting and chasing does and that. And so, uh, yeah, I'm excited. I'm going to I'm gonna get after them and see if I can't get an arrow in one. Uh, go in deep with my backpack is still the plan and, and uh, get into country and see if I can't make something happen. So, and if not this weekend, you know, I'll be back, uh, back the next weekend. So, um, just go for it, make my long drive over there and, and, uh, hike in and see if I can't get it done. So I'm just pumped. Hopefully you guys still got a couple tags left and you guys are out hunting and, and uh, getting into some critters and, and, uh, having some fun. So, um, thanks a bunch for tuning in guys. Uh, we'll, we'll be back on next week. I'll try to get to more of these questions and, and answers that you guys have been hitting me up with to try to get you guys some good information. So I'm going to get to more of these questions. Uh, going to work on this podcast, try to tell you guys what's going on at the beginning of it. Uh, good descriptions of it and, uh, just keep working away and keep grinding on this thing and getting better. So, uh, all right guys, good hunting out there.